This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. I'm your host, Laura Alexander-Wittig, CEO and founder of Brightly, the number one destination for conscious consumers around the world. At Good Together, we value the planet over perfection and believe that you can make positive things happen for the planet every day by being a conscious consumer and an informed citizen. Listen in as I chat with various experts about living and consuming responsibly. living should be easy, but oftentimes it doesn't quite feel like that. Brightly believes that small, planet-focused lifestyle swaps can help us all fight back against climate change every single day. Part of being a conscious consumer means that when it's time to buy a new item, considering a product that is eco-friendlier than the alternative can actually make a difference. Brightly's shop focuses on easy, effective eco-products designed to help you reduce waste and make smart, planet-focused decisions around your house every day, whether it's stopping food waste with our Veggie Saver bag or eliminating single-use plastic wrap with our bowl covers. Pick from dozens of our favorite eco-swaps that have been thoroughly vetted and tested by our team, including yours truly, who has just done so much testing. <laughs> so head to brightly.eco slash shop and use code GOODTOGETHER to receive 20% off your first order with us. Good Together listeners, I am so excited today to welcome restaurateur Kayla Abe because Kayla is somebody who wants you to eat your trash. <laughs> My the team wrote that for this intro and I I love I laughed and I love to read it because I actually first read about Kayla's San Francisco restaurant, Shuggy's Trash Pie and National Wine and just I remember reading about it in, in an article and saw how fun the restaurant was and how it was really seeking to inspire people to understand a little bit more about food waste. Um, and so the restaurant relies on ingredients that might go unused elsewhere. So like irregular and surplus produce, um, byproducts from food man manufacturing, and just a, all sorts of really interesting things. So um, Kayla, uh, welcome. And I wonder if you can kind of just give the audience a little bit of an intro about yourself um, and, and what you've been up to. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Laura. I I'm Kayla. Um, yes, my restaurant is Shuggy's Trash by Natural Wine. Um, I've really, you know, got my start in sustainable agriculture and have been working in that sector for the last several years. And only over the course of the pandemic did my partner and I decide to take on this restaurant venture. I think part of it was that he, as a chef for 20 plus years, uh, also was a bit uncertain about the future and what things would look like. Um, of course, same with me in my career, but we've been really dedicated to this issue of food waste. And, you know, with with the past couple years, have been kind of incubating this idea and then decided to finally take the plunge. But basically, um, the restaurant is utilizing and highlighting all of the many things that go to waste in our food system. So as you were saying, cosmetically irregular stuff, farm surplus, byproducts, um, offcuts. We're really trying to incorporate all of it to give people just a little taste into what it 
how much food gets wasted in the U.S. I mean, we waste up to 40% of our food supply here. And wow. I mean, a stat that we throw around often is that we spend $218 billion every year on food that gets thrown away. And that's not just, you know, the food it's produced and it's tossed, but there's so much that goes into the actual growing process, the growing heart transporting, um, that are things that are energy intensive and water intensive and labor intensive. And all of that goes to waste as well with the food that we toss. So with the restaurant, we're just trying to incorporate some of those things back into our food system, as well as educate people mainly on their role in this massive problem as well. Well, I love that you've taken that approach um, with this because in in my mind, there is such a, just a need for people to actually, you're right, understand the problem at hand. And I mean, the, the, the statistics that you just threw out are pretty staggering and I did know about them. I'm just from, you know, being in, in the sustainability space, but I'm, I'm sure most listeners did not realize that 40% statistic. Um, and so from my perspective, um, I think there maybe the one thing people have heard of in this space would be like an imperfect produce or something like that. Like, Oh, you know, here's some, some, un, some more blemished produce that you can get at a discount. Um, but I'm curious. So, so tell us a little bit more about how you went from sustainable agriculture to like narrowing down in a restaurant experience. Like w- what made you say, this is the Avenue that I want to kind of take for this education piece. Mm-hmm. Totally. So I mean, my one of my first jobs um, was at the Center for Urban Education about Sustainable Agriculture in San Francisco, a mouthful, um, which is why they just changed their name to Foodwise. Um, yes, actually, did they used to do work at the um, the Ferry Building um, in San Francisco? Yeah, the office is inside the Ferry Building. They operate some of the biggest farmers markets in the U.S. Um, really incredible lineups of vendors and yes. Um, really hands-on with a lot of them. So yeah, and then they're also kind of an incubator for small business. But um, yeah, I was working with them doing mainly like, mainly in like the marketing communications and like fundraising side, all three because it's a nonprofit and everyone wears so many hats. But um, I was working with them and would talk to farmers three times a week at the farmer's market. It was right downstairs. We'd always go down every, every time we had a market and just talking with farmers every week. I mean, they're, I feel like naturally very chatty people. (laughs) One of the, you know, the only times they're off the farm, they're around other people and they just want to share things. So um, I feel like I had so many conversations just about what's going on with their harvests, um, how things are going, what new things are propping up, um, but also talking a lot about this issue of food waste with them and the challenges that they faced. And food waste was this kind of common thread between so many of the different producers that we had. And it wasn't just, some of it was cosmetic irregularity for sure. Like things that are misshapen or like have some scarring on it or are just like too big or too small. Um, Many different reasons on that front, but um, some of it is also surplus, so things coming to harvest at the same time. And a lot of these small producers don't have the funds for refrigerated storage, and they would need so much to store all of the stuff that they would have to, you know, keep. But if it's not sold, sometimes depending on what it is, if it's not sold that day, 
it gets tossed. Things like greens, things that wilt in the sun. And at the end of the day, it's like, well, these have been out for five or six hours and they're not really pretty or usable. Um, But even that stuff um, is absolutely edible and stuff that we now bring into the restaurant. We make, we blend them down into sauces. Um, You can braise them. There's so many different ways, but they don't seem as, you know, cosmetically appealing at the store. So anyways, talking with farmers all the time there um, was kind of this click for me um, mentally to really focus on this issue. And just, it seemed so irrational to me that so much would get tossed for like seemingly arbitrary reasons or natural reasons, um, like things looking different. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then interestingly, at the same time, my partner was a chef shopping at the same farmer's market and having these same conversations with the same farmers. And um, we actually met at the farmer's market. Um, and I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good meet cute. But, um, you know, we, we eventually like put our heads together around this and we were like, let's do something about this, even if it's on a local level. And we started our first company, Ugly Pickle Co. And there we were upcycling all of that produce as well to turn into pickles. And it was kind of like a, it was a really cool look into how, how food gets wasted, like how and where and why. And, and we really honed our understanding of this issue through that. Um, but, you know, sadly over the last couple months, we finally had to close shop on that, but we, our focus is mainly on the restaurant now. It's like, we have full attention there. I think it's really, it's cool that we're able to do, you know, to, to fully put our attention towards it. And, um, it really helped us get us to where we are now. I love that story. I mean, I feel like it, whenever you hear about people building businesses, the, the ones that I always really identify with are the ones that start by talking to customers or talking to people that are affected. So just the fact that, you know, all kind of started with conversations with farmers for, from your perspective, I think is so is so powerful because you actually are solving a problem versus like starting the other way and like making a problem up to solve. (laughs) Um, And I feel like, you know, um, it's just really, it's just a super interesting way to go about the business, go about developing a business. So one of the things that I think is really interesting um, about Shuggie's Trash Pie and Natural Wine is that you utilize, you know, pizza uh, to, to tell the story. And uh, listeners, I've been like really into, there's a new um, documentary on Netflix called Chef's Table Pizza. And they like literally go in and, and follow these pizza chefs around the world. Um, and I think it's so interesting to think about pizza as a vehicle to do storytelling just because there's like so many different variations of it. So tell me a little bit about like, how did you decide pizza? I mean, were you like, there's just a good creative canvas here? Or how did, how did you um, nail nail that down? Yeah, that's a huge part of it is that, I mean, it's a very approachable vehicle um, that is very much beloved in the U.S. um, to talk about an issue that's very foreign in the U.S. So it's, you know, people people come in and sometimes they just think we're a pizzeria and that's totally fine. That's sometimes even more fun because then they kind of really go along the learning journey. But um, yeah, we just figured it's a really it's also a really versatile vehicle for all of these different ingredients that we're getting in. And sometimes we don't know what to do with these ingredients and then we have to toy around, but pizza is very forgiving in that way. Like there's so many 
things that you can do with it. Um, and also it's just fun. Everyone, I think part of our educational mission kind of goes hand in hand with like bringing fun back to dining also. Yeah. I think it's been so serious for so long and, you know, people being cooped up the last few years, they're just, they're ready to party. Yeah. <laughs> people are ready to be out and have a good time. And I mean, our space really reflects that too, but pizza is also just one of those foods that kind of immediately signals like we're getting a group together and we're going to have a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you're right. I think it's, it, it is really, it's a fun uh, thing to eat. Everybody has their own version of it too. It's not like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like there are so many different variations on many of the comfort foods that we all love, but I also feel like there's some that people just get so mad if you like deviate from the quote unquote norm. I feel like I'm thinking of like the great in and out versus all of the other burger, you know, debates. So for me, I, I love that. I love that you pick pizza. So, so tell us a little bit more about like pizza, like how you create pizza at Chuggies and like, what is, what is the process and like, what are these interesting um, utilizations of food waste while you're doing this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we initially were going to do like a, a Neo-Napolitana style. Um, I think it's, you know, everyone loves that style. We love it. Um, but I mean, interestingly, like we had the constraint of just our space. Like we couldn't fit in an oven that would <laughs> get up to temp for that type of pizza. So we kind of like really like went to the drawing board. I I mean, I need to credit my partner for pretty much all of this, but um, kind of developed this style. I mean, it's a grandma style pizza primarily, but kind of a deviation from it, but super thin square pizza. Um, edges are like cracker thin um, it's light, it's, it's super thin and, and tasty. So it's a little bit of a departure from the normal, like the standards out here anyways, but, um, it also has allowed us like the actual form of it has allowed us to really kind of toy with the ingredients in the dough itself. And, um, even down to the dough, you know, like we have a, we have a pepperoni pizza that is not upcycled at all. And people just want pepperoni, of course or pizza place after all, but, um, we wanted to make sure that even that one at its core had upside upcycled ingredients as well. So okay. all of our dough we're using whey, which is a byproduct of the cheese making process. Um, we make cheese in house. We have like ricotta fluff that we put on a lot of different pizzas and the whey is a byproduct of that and goes straight into the dough, uh, as well as oat flour. So a byproduct of the oat milk making process that is there are some solids from that that are then dehydrated and milled down into into flour so both of those ingredients together i mean are the main components of our dough give it really nice elasticity a nice lactic flavor as well but um i do think like in an ideal situation all of these upcycled ingredients are actually enhancing rather than just kind of being an afterthought so we're really excited about those things. Um, but you know, even with ingredients on the pizza, we're, we're getting so many different things and it's not just the pizzas too. We have a huge, I'd say like more than half of our menu are these other share plates that are just kind of fun and not, not specific to any one cuisine, but, yeah. um, 
you know, we, we really highlight those as well. But I mean, when we talk about things like produce, um, on our, one of our pizzas, our squash pie, uh, we have one farmer who just every year has surplus of squash. And part of that is because tomatoes are grown at the same time. And if there's ever any issues with labor, they'll always prioritize tomato harvest. So oftentimes squash kind of like get left in the fields and okay we started putting them on our pizzas and thereby guarantee a certain amount of business for some of these farms and then allows them to pick more um we also are just taking in all of the weird varietals that they grow often that are kind of like cool for variety and diversity and like bring in customers but they don't always buy so things like zephyr squash and patty pan that aren't really seen as much or difficult to use, like the round globe squash, um, we bring those in as well. Um, so those are really specific situations. Yeah. We also didn't really, we weren't thinking about a squash pizza, but you know, they came to us and they were like, can you do anything with this? <laughs> like two months. So yeah, we have, we're going to get rid of it soon because summer's over. Um, but then, yeah, when it comes to other ingredients, I mean, Things like meat is meat and proteins are really interesting. Seafood, um, which is a bit newer to us, um, but there is so much waste as well in the seafood world. It ends up being equivalent to the produce stats. I mean, like really, I had no idea. Yeah, like around forty percent of or thirty to thirty to forty percent ends up getting tossed. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy and a lot of it comes from just cultural differences in what cuts are you know considered prime for us so we have we just brought on a swordfish belly crudo we just added to the menu and swordfish belly is just something never it's not marketed it's not really used but it's a really incredible fatty cut of meat that we highlight in this dish keep it raw have a coconut milk broth Thai chili, herbs, and it's a really, it's an incredible way to feature this ingredient that's not usually used. Um, same with, we have like a whole share plate that's a an entire salmon head. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's a cool visual um, to yeah. down on the table. It's also a bit of a project, like you're really digging through it. Um, yeah it's and it's delicious we do like a kind of Vietnamese style like a sticky sweet sauce um some heat on there tempura crispies it's fun and it's um I think for a lot of Asian cultures nothing foreign um you would typically you would see that in a lot of different restaurants or in a lot of Mm -hmm. around the world even um but in the U.S. I think we're pretty squeamish about having I don't know we don't like things with eyes <laughs> no yeah yeah we're really squeamish and <laughs> the thing I was going to mention too was you know whether or not you eat meat um listeners like the the prospect of meat going to waste is heartbreaking because it is such an intense process to you know to fish if it's going to be you know wild caught or you know there's all these like, unfortunately, you know, negative things going on in our meat supply chains. And so, you know, suffice it to say, like, it's already coming at a really high cost to obviously the animal and the environment, and then it's going to waste. Like, that's just to me, it's just 
really, really heartbreaking. And I, um, and then to hear that a lot of it, that is because of, you know, cultural connotations is just like, oh, it just, it, it just kills me. So I love to hear about these like inventive ways that, that y'all are, are thinking about reuse. And you, you mentioned the visual of the salmon head, which yes, I got a really interesting visual in my head specifically, but we haven't even talked about like the visual aesthetic of your restaurant. So listeners, I think that was actually why at least that was the article when I read about Shuggies. That was kind of the the lens that they were taking. They were like talking about the maximalist like aesthetic that was going on before they even talked about the food waste. So I'm curious to know, Kayla, was that like part of your plan? Like, were you trying to kind of get people in the door just because it like looked so beautiful? Or like, tell us about that because I mean, you guys will will um, include photos of the restaurant in our show notes, and you'll of course, if you're in the San Francisco area, you're going to have to go check it out. But it is beautiful and like quite a statement. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, part of it is that my partner and I, like that is very much reflective of just our combined aesthetic, just like okay. thrown out onto the walls. Um, but also it, there was intention behind this too. Like if we're doing this restaurant, this environmental restaurant talking about trash, like let's subvert what that looks like a little bit. And I think for so long, environmentalism, especially in like restaurants and like physical spaces has looked very, very similar, like natural tones and like raw materials. Um, But we also wanted to show that there are other ways to look at that. And a lot of the stuff in the space, like we either upcycled and or thrifted um, or built ourselves as well. So there is like some of our environmental mission going into the physical space too. But you know, if we, if we are going to get anywhere with spreading our mission and to educate people on food waste, I think you have to, you have to make it different and fun and, and bring people in through different avenues. Cause as I was saying before, like some people don't know, they see maybe a thing on TikTok where they see a photo and they're like, okay, yes, go there. And then just getting them in the door, like you're saying is, is the way to meet them where they're at, and then also kind of hit them with all the information afterwards. Totally agree. And I and I love that you're able to bring people in through a variety of reasons. I also like that you're challenging the whole stereotype that like eco-friendly or crunchy equals ugly. <laughs> or even we also have the other stereotype of like eco-friendly or sustainable means going without. I think that's always like a really big misunderstanding. Like, oh, I have to give up something or, you know, people I think automatically associate it with this like minimalist sort of like, I don't know, stark vibe. And it's very hard to explain listeners what the, whatever, what, what her restaurant looks like, but it's just like an explosion of color and life. And so I love that that is just, it's like the most unexpected aesthetic ever. So I I think it's super cool. I love it. Um, So, so Kayla, as we kind of come up towards, you know, the, the end of the episode, we like to think a little bit about, um, maybe what what's going on from a larger scale perspective. So I'm curious to know if you see um, Shuggies as part of like a larger movement happening. Like, are you, are you speaking to other restaurateurs that are interested in, you know, kind of going a similar route with food waste with what they're doing? Yeah. I'm glad you asked that because it's been something that we've hoped to do and are just now starting to do. So we're really, I mean, we're very lucky to, 
be situated in the Bay Area where I think we have a lot of really forward thinking chefs and restaurateurs and people that are excited to be part of the sustainable movement know we have to all be part of it in some way and we are now starting to have these conversations mainly one-on-one with other restaurateurs but I do I mean our hope is to bring more people along on this journey um and I think in a more like we will have a more structured way I think very soon for how we will be doing this um but you know ultimately we are we're just one restaurant doing this project on our own and there isn't that much change that can be done if we alone are the only ones who continue doing this i think a lot of it comes from well i think food trends in general stem from restaurants so it is the responsibility of other restaurateurs to begin to learn about this stuff and to begin to incorporate it in their menus i think a lot of them already shop at the farmers market and they can have these conversations as well and begin to dive in in a pretty you know, natural way, but also on the consumer side, you know, about it's, it reflects the produce stats too. Like 40% of all of the waste comes from the consumer level. It's not manufacturing or, you know, our commercial level. It's, it's just at home and all of these small decisions we make to buy too much food at the grocery store or to throw away leftovers or whatever it might be. Um, that is also what compounds. So there is this like multi-pronged approach that we're going to have to take and, and we hope to take and uh, in bringing people along. Um, but certainly I think it starts with other restaurants. So I hope if there are any other people listening to this that, you know, you consider talking to your producers as well. Absolutely. No, and I, I think just like you said, even just having people start the conversation and and just start to think about how this issue is showing up and potentially impacting them, even if it's not staring them in the face, right? Like if you are somebody who eats out a lot or, um, you know, so, so maybe you're not like seeing the supply chain behind what's going on with your food. Um, my husband and I, we like to cook a lot. So we, we see it probably a little bit more than somebody else that does a lot of takeout or restaurant eating. But I still think, like you mentioned, just, you know, thinking about the producers and the supply chain, thinking about maybe asking the, um, asking the business owner, you know, like when you're, I don't, I think asking the waiters, probably not the best idea. The waiter probably doesn't have any idea what's going on. They might. Um, but you might just say like, Hey, I'm, I'm curious to know a little bit about how your, how your restaurant utilizes food waste. Like, is there anything you can share with me or tell me, or maybe, you know, maybe they, they are the people to ask, but just getting curious and, you know, maybe using that contact us email for, for places that you like to support because, I feel like, you know, when we went through the pandemic, um, there were a lot of people who were really interested in supporting small businesses. And a lot of people were taking it upon themselves to do research about the businesses that they were supporting. So I don't think this trend has gone away in terms of us wanting to know more about like where we're putting our dollars. But I do think focusing in on food waste specifically is something that I haven't thought to do um, when I go out, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's very cool. Because I do think at a certain level of restaurant too, like they're trying to utilize all of their own waste as much as possible because of like purely because of bottom line, like it's exactly. Yeah. It makes financial sense to do it. Right. Yeah. Um, but then to bring on other people's surplus or like, yeah, waste as well is another step. And I think one that people can certainly get engaged in, it's just figuring out, I think it's asking a lot of questions like as a, as a business owner, like, 
where where are these things coming from? And and for us, we really like to learn about the problem and then kind of reverse engineer and figure out how things work on our menu. And in that way, I do think menu development looks a little bit different than other places. We can't just yeah. have an idea and then decide to like source all of these ingredients for it. Um, it's definitely the other way around, starting with what's going to waste. But there, there are definitely, I think that's amazing if, if consumers, you know, started to ask those questions too, um, how far we could get. Absolutely. Well, this has been so amazing talking with you, Kayla. I, I really feel like I've learned a lot about how the food waste problem that we've talked about before many times on this podcast can actually, you know, be solved at the restaurant, um, you know, level. Because I think we, we, uh, we've explored a lot from the individual consumer piece, but I think you know, just hearing you speak about it from the restaurant perspective has been so interesting. Um, so we typically like to ask our guests the same uh, question as we end every episode, because I love to hear the different points of view that come up from this. And so that question is, what is exciting you the most about the ethical and sustainable lifestyle movement that you're seeing going on in the world right now? Mm, that's a great, that's a great one. Um, I think that I think that environmentalism isn't something to be feared as much. I mean, okay, of course, I should rephrase that. It is very scary, but I do think that there is now this sense, and we see it in our restaurant when people come in and experience the space and the food, but there is a way to celebrate environmentalism also. Like, there's a way to do good and be really excited about it and have a good time and, like take something home that's nice. Like there, there are ways to make something that is otherwise very scary and, you know, very doom and gloom and make it into something great that you can celebrate. And that absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And you're right. I think that there obviously has been a movement of people naming this climate anxiety, right. And saying, look, like, we're not going to get away from this. So how can we move forward in a positive direction versus just totally sticking our heads in the sand? Because I feel like there's been a lot of that lately, um, just because we're all just so, I feel like our capacity to like emote has gone down so much from the pandemic, right? Like we were just so, you know, barraged with all of these like negative feelings and negative energy for so long that I think there are a lot of people, myself included sometimes, where it's just like, I can't take it anymore, right? Like, I can't hear anything else negative. I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna ignore it for right now. And, and that's just really not, um, it's not good for the planet. Um, and it's not good for, it's, it, you know, it's not good for you either. Like, it's not good for anybody to just <laughs> ignore things and, and, you know, stick our heads in the sand. So I totally agree. Um, so, so listeners, if you're interested, I, like I said, the next time you find yourself in San Francisco, you've got to go to show you in person because it, it just to me and I and I'm going to gonna go definitely the next time I'm there in person. It's been a little bit, um, but absolutely gonna stop by myself. Um, and you know, I'm sure y'all are very active on social media and everything like that. So we'll we'll throw all those links in. Um, but Kayla, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and telling us more about your journey. I've really enjoyed it. Oh my god, Laura, thank you so much for having me. It's been really it's cool to chat about this on your platform. Thank you so much. <laughs> of course.
Thanks for joining us on another episode of Good Together. To get show notes and more, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. Finally, don't forget to join in on the conversation with us on social, where I know you can find us at brightly.eco. Don't forget, we're all on this journey together. So have fun putting the planet first and stay curious.